morning. It's a weird way to hold a microphone, right? Here we go. Just get my bearings. Just bear with us for a sec. Excellent. feel like we can start now. The mic's in the right spot. The things are turned on. They're working. Well, it's great to, to be here. If we haven't met, my name's Ryan. I'm part of the team uh, here and, and looking forward to just kicking off a new series uh, this morning for the next uh, 60 days, we'll call it. Not 60 Sundays, don't freak out. Uh, 60 days. We're going to be, uh, as a church, spending some time uh, in the book of Matthew, as you can see there. So we're starting a new Sunday series, uh, The Gospel According to Matthew. And uh, our hope would be that you would come on the journey uh, with us. Uh, we'll put some slides up in a little bit, but essentially we're going to go on a reading plan together as a church. Does anyone have a reading plan that they regularly do? It's not a trick question. Um, I do. But, you know, as a church, we thought it'd be cool to go on a reading plan altogether. And so starting today, when we leave here, there'll be some resources for you to be able to jump on and, and, and get involved in, in a reading plan all around the book of Matthew. So Sundays we'll gather together and we'll, we'll look at a a section of scripture in Matthew, but essentially as a church, by the time we finish this, we will have read uh, the entire gospel of Matthew, which to me uh, is exciting. I, I love the gospels. I love uh, looking at the life of Jesus and the, the way the authors in different ways focus in on some different things of Jesus. So I thought just as we got started, it'd be cool to, to have a look at Matthew and, and a few of the things that are unique uh, to Matthew. And so when we look at Matthew, the, the, it's the story of Jesus, large blocks of teaching, uh, starting from the announcement of the birth of Jesus and uh, right through to, to his death and, and resurrection. You know, it is an anonymous book, but the, 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 the writing credit is given to Matthew, even though he never gives that uh, credit to himself. You know, they're writing it uh, almost certainly to Jewish uh, Christians with a commitment to Gentile mission. I love that um, the emphasis of Matthew is that Jesus is the Son of God. Isn't that good? That he, Matthew's argument is Jesus is the Son of God, the King of the Jews. It's God present with us in miraculous power. Jesus is the church's Lord. The teaching of Jesus has continuing importance for God's people. The gospel of the kingdom is for all people. You know, a little, couple of little stats. The gospel of Matthew contains more of the teachings of Jesus than any other gospel. And when you look at the manuscripts when they're put together, Matthew is almost always first. And the reason uh, for that is so much of the book of Matthew is talking about how Jesus is the Messiah, how he is the king. There's so much reference back and forward to making sure Jesus is put in his rightful place. And just one last helpful thing I thought that would be cool. There are, there are lots of different ways you can break Matthew down. Like there's, if you, you look in commentaries and you look in books, there's, there's all these ways that, that break it down differently. It's maybe it's the different teachings or, or the miracles. The one I found that was the most simple, and if we've got that slide there, is this. It's beginning with the preliminary events leading up to Jesus' public ministry. So, you know, his, his birth, his, his baptism, uh, the temptation that he goes through in the desert, which is actually what we're going to be looking at today. Then the events of Jesus' public ministry, so all his teachings. Like we said, Matthew's real heavy on the teachings of Jesus. There are different emphases in different Gospels, but Matthew is really heavy on the, the teachings of course, the deeds and his conflicts. And then obviously the end, the third part is, you know, his rejection, uh, his arrest, his, his death, and obviously his resurrection. So just thought as we got started, we're going to be spending a lot of time in Matthew. So I didn't want to get too heavily nerdy into all the ins and outs of it, but thought it'd just be helpful to paint a little bit of a picture of, of what Matthew was talking about, who he's aiming to write it at, just so hopefully as you're reading through, that might help frame things a little bit for you. Does that sound helpful? Is that all right? Jackie Knight was helpful for her. That's good. Thank you, Jackie. 
But as mentioned, we are going to be, uh, today's verses that we are going to be looking at are in Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. And, and for those of you who know this story, it's, it's the temptation of Jesus. So where he goes and he fasts. So we'll, we'll kick off, we'll read these verses, and then we'll have a look at what it's saying to us today. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and fair enough. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord God to the test. The last part here, and again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. You know what we see in the, these verses, the previous verses to this scripture, Jesus actually has a wonderful moment where he's baptized. John the Baptist baptizes him uh, and, and the clouds part and the voice comes down from heaven. You'll remember it if you know this story that this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. It's this great moment of baptism and, and celebration. And it starts off here saying from that great moment, the spirit leads Jesus into, into the desert where he goes to fast, where he goes to fast for 40 days and then eventually is, is tempted by the devil. It's important to know that God is not the tempter here, that God leads him, the Spirit leads him in. He's not, God's not taking him to, to tempt him himself. He's taking him to fast. And fasting was quite common then. So he goes and he's fasted. As I used to read this story, I used to think like Jesus went into fast and then the devil kind of came in different moments. But when you read this really clearly, it, it says that after 40 days. So Jesus, if you imagine, uh, you know, going out into the, the desert kind of vibe, that kind of hot uh, place, maybe, you know, the closest thing we have in Perth is like go out to that driest part of the Swan Valley when it's hot and hang out there for 40 days and, and fast. Rough conditions. Jesus would be the most vulnerable physically in that point. He's fasted for 40 days. He hasn't had anything. He would be hungry, as it said in the scripture. I don't know about you, but I tend to make terrible decisions when I'm hungry. Does anyone else make bad decisions when they're hungry? Like, I make bad nutritional decisions when I'm hungry. Like, I, I just will go for whatever I can find in the cupboard. Not good. Sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just eat a little bit less at the start of the day. It never ends well because then by the end of the day, I'm super hungry and then that's when bad things happen. But also, I probably make bad uh, emotional decisions when I'm hungry. As, you know, anyone else get a little hangry around here? Any, we got any hangry people? Chantel, you're, you're my people. For those who don't know what that is, it's when you go from kind of being hungry to angry, but because of hunger, so it's hangry. And then I, I tend to get grumpy, so people tend to just put food in front of me to get me to eat, so, you know, turn into a bit of that cookie monster type character, just eat, 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 until I feel better. Jesus is in this place for 40 days, he hasn't eaten, and the Bible tells us that he was hungry. And the devil sees an opportunity to come when Jesus appears to be at his weakest, and begins to come and try and tempt him, lure him away to, to do something wrong. What the devil doesn't realize in this situation is actually Jesus is at probably his physically most vulnerable point. 
But what I believe is after 40 days of spending time alone with the Father, he's at his spiritual strongest. And the devil makes the mistake of coming to try and tempt him and lure him when, he's we- when he seems weak. But he's not actually weak, he's strong. Because he spent 40 days away with the Lord. But you can see in these first scriptures, the first temptation. What, what's the first temptation? There's rocks on the ground and he says, what? Turn it into bread. If you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, you have the power to provide for yourself. He tries to tackle him with the issue of provision. Where does your provision come from? And he tries to lure him into this physical provision of turn these bread into rocks so that you can have something to eat. And Jesus snaps straight back. And what does he snap straight back with? Scripture. Snaps straight back here with man shall not live on bread alone but the word that comes from the mouth of God. Physically weak, spiritually strong. Hungry in the physical, full in the spiritual. And I love that Jesus uses this phrase of don't live by bread alone. Jesus isn't saying that food is not important. Food and bread in the culture that Jesus was in, breaking of bread was was crucial to culture and life. And so he doesn't say bread is no good. Don't, don't eat bread. Don't, don't look after the physical things that you need. But he's saying it's not all about that. It's not all about just bread and provision and providing for yourself, but it's actually about living by the word of God. I have a, you're going to learn a little bit about my eating habits this morning, but I have a, a, a bad tendency to, to go to a restaurant. Has anyone like been to Rockpool before and, or somewhere like that? And you order, but then they bring you out bread. And kind of you order when you're hungry, so you order all this stuff, right? I'm like, yep, I right, easily I'll smash this, that, give me this, order all these sides. And then they bring out the bread. And I'm like, oh, I didn't order bread. And they're like, the bread's free. And you're like, excellent. And so you have some of that bread, you kind of put butter on it, you're like, this tastes pretty good. I'm like, can I get some more bread? They're like, yeah, sure, sir. No worries, the bread's free. We told you that. Like, okay, excellent. And then by the time my meal comes out, I'm like full on bread. I'm like, what am I going to do with all these sides? Like, bag them up. Because I've filled myself up on bread, not leaving any room for what's more important. I haven't left room for what's nice because I've filled up on bread. Because once again, what have I made? A physical decision. I'm hungry, waiting for my food, and you've given me free bread. Now when I go, I order less and just order heaps more free bread. Good economical decision. Mm -hmm. There's a tip for you. Stewardship. No. Uh, We're not talking about that today. But the reality is, this world that we live in today... We're not out in the desert like Jesus fasting for 40 days. Well, some of you might want to go and do that and bless you if you do. But the reality is our problem right now in our society is not that we're out in the desert fasting for 40 days and the the devil's trying to tempt us to provide for ourselves. The world is trying to tempt us to fill up on bread. Fill up on physical things. Look for our provision from physical things. Do I have enough money first? Do I have enough food first? Do I have enough time to, to watch Netflix at the end of the day. There's all these things in our world that are not necessarily bad. Please, I, I have multiple subscription accounts on, that I watch TV on. Don't judge me. I have lots of them. But do I fill up on that? Often, yes, I do. Do I worry about the physical things of this world and, and, and put all my attention on it and allow them to tempt and lure my time and my energy? Do I fill up on that and then go, oh, I didn't have time to pray today? I'm sorry, I wanted, to, I wanted to do my 365 Bible today and I, I, I'm out of time. Oh, I'm tired. I was busy. 
Our problem is not that we're physically hungry. But so often we let the physical bread of this world fill us up first. And then we have no time for anything else. We provide for ourselves rather than a reliance on the, the word of God to be our provision. And Jesus is easy enough to could have turned those rocks straight into bread. But he goes back with scripture. Man does not rely on bread alone. I can do this a little longer, he's saying. But I rely on the word of God. Physically, maybe not so strong. Spiritually, grounded in the word. Knows where his provision comes from. Doesn't want to fill up on what's not necessary. Verse 7 is the, the second temptation where he says, throw yourself down there. And surely God wouldn't let the Son of God die. And I love that Jesus claps back again with Scripture and talks about the Word of God saying, don't put the Lord to the test. The Bible says don't test God. You know, the opposite of testing God is it, it, it's trusting God. See, we can, we can live a life where we, where we believe that God should do things for us. There's a, like an improper dependence on God is that if I do X, God will do Y. Or if I believe in you and maybe I, I read the Bible or, or I go to church on Sunday or, or maybe I pray for, for something, my improper dependence would tell you that, that God will deliver that for me because God is a deliverer. He is almost like my Uber Eats driver of things in life. Like I order it and he brings it to me. It's an, an, an improper dependence. And so he's saying, just throw yourself off this cliff. Throw yourself down. He's not going to let you die. You're the son of God. His angels will come and once again, what will they do? They'll take care of you because you're weary and you've been in the desert for 40 days. And Jesus uses scripture and says, no, it's not for me to test God. And so often in my life, I can find that I have this kind of improper dependence on God, where I see it as a transactional relationship. But Jesus is grounded in the word and is able to read that scripture and go, I don't, I don't test my God, I trust him. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to not trust by throwing myself off and trust that he'll save me. By trusting that there's a plan that I know about. That I was, Jesus was sent to earth for a plan. The devil's trying to get him to deviate from that plan. And he's like, no, I will not test the Lord my God. I will trust. I'll be grounded in the word. You know, sometimes when our focus is on, on bread, and we'll use that as our example for worldly things. That's when we can tend to test God, can't we? Oh God, if I do this for you, will you do this for me? Oh God, I was faithful with my finances, so I, 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 need, a, I need a check now. Or I, I prayed for that promotion in my job. So, so where is it? And we might not frame it like that, but it can become this dependence on you do for me and I do for you, and if I do for you, then you do for me. But we're not here to test God, we're here to trust God. We're here to walk in relationship with him. Goes to the desert 40 days. Spend time on the word of God. I don't know if he would have carted his, his Bible with him, his Torah with him. Generally, at, at that stage of life, it was just memorized. They had a great power to memorize scripture. But he goes there, he's like, don't, don't tell me to test, I'm going to trust. And my question to myself this week and, and my question to us as a so church is, where, where in life are we choosing to trust God? Not blindly follow. It doesn't say, I just blindly follow. It's a trust thing. And trust is a decision. 
And as we're reading the word and as we're filling up on the word, I believe it's going to give us opportunity to hear from God, to meditate on his word, to apply it to our life, and just to trust that he is good and walk in that. And sure, there'll be things that will come along, tough things will be challenging, but there's something about being grounded in the word that shows a trust for God. The, the final temptation is, is this one. Worship me and you can have it all. And I love that, again, I love at first he just goes away from me, like he's just had enough, like, so good. Like, third temptation is like, nah, three's, three's enough, like, just away. But as he tells him to go, he also just gives him, gives him a little message for the, for the road. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. You know, he could have, in that previous temptation, he could have jumped. The angels probably would have come and attended to him as the, the devil was tempting and luring him. But the reality is, as he trusted in God and, and stayed, he held his ground, the angels came and attended to him, didn't they? Just had to trust a little bit longer. But I love this last one. Worship me and you can have it all. But no, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You know, often it can be, it can be tempting, can't it, to, to think of worship as what we just did as a church. The band come up, sounds really awesome, which it did. And we, 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 we stand and we worship and we sing and we, we, we sing these words about God. And that, don't get me wrong, that, that is worship. But our whole life, the Bible tells us, should be worship to God. So the way we live out our faith should be worship to God. You know, as a church, we, we have this statement around uh, this thing called time, talent, and treasure. You know, the time that we have, the, the precious time that God gives us, that we should worship him with our time. That the gifts that he puts in our hands, our talents, the things that we're good at, the things that he's blessed us at being able to do, we should worship him with our talent. And our treasure, our resources. Most obviously that can be our finances, but those things that he puts in our hand, those resources that we have, should be worshipped to him. The homes that we have should be worshipped to him. That we don't have Jesus or, or, or our faith, or it, it, it's not a pocket of our lives. I go to church, that's just one facet of my life. Or I, I believe in God, or there are these certain things in truths in the Bible that I believe, and they're just a little part of my life. It says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And once again, it comes back to that. For me, it comes back to what are we full on? What do we give the best of our time to? Is it worshipping the Lord our God in, in all facets of our life? Or does that just make up a part of my life? And then there's all these other things that I chase after, and then when I can fit it in, Jesus kind of makes an appearance. Or maybe it's when I need something, or maybe it's when I've gone through a difficult time, or maybe for me sometimes it's when I'm going through a good time, it's really easy just to kind of give the credit. But he's not a, a Jesus that wants the credit. He's a Jesus that wants us to, to worship him and serve him only. To give him the first of who we are. Not to fill up on bread first. Not to chase after bread first. But to actually prioritize worshiping him first. And allow all the other things to come second. I love that Jesus didn't choose to eat before he engaged with the devil. You know what, he's coming, I better eat. Better get some water in me, better get myself ready to go. He would have chose to do it in his physically weakest state. Because in that moment he wasn't relying on anything else but the word of God. And so my challenge to us in this, this time is, for some of us, and for me, it, it, 
it will take at certain times, it's going to take a reordering of what's important to me. Where in my day will it be for me to give my very best to reading and meditating on the Word of God? What priorities maybe in my life need to shift so that my life is orientated around worshipping God? Because we've all got busy lives and we've all got things to do. We've all got things that are important to us. And I know deep down in, in my head and my heart, what I want to be most important to me is my faith and living out my faith in God. But sometimes for me, things get in the way. I allow things to get in the way. I choose to let things get in the way. And suddenly I get to the end of my week and I look it back and go, what have I done this week? How have I, how have I done? What? Take a little bit of a reflection. And there wasn't kind of enough of this in my life, but there was plenty of bread. What I would love to do is get to the end of the week and go, there's been plenty, plenty of time spent in the Word. Plenty of time spent worshipping God. I've lived out my week just trusting in Him, knowing where my provision comes from, worshipping Him with the best of what I have. I'm not always going to get that right. It's not about kind of ticking off the perfect box. It's actually about just our heart going, you know what, I, I, I long to worship you with all that I have. And it's amazing that when that becomes our orientation and that becomes our focus, things tend to shift in our lives. I know for me when I have seasons of doing this, just I'm not going to like grade it well, but when I, when I feel like I'm doing it well, like it's a priority for me and I'm really locked in and focused and engaged on the Word of God and applying it to my life and carving out time to spend it with Him, how all these other things kind of just fall into line. And then sometimes I can, without even realizing, something in my life is a little bit off. Something feels a bit off. Something's not quite right. If I look back, you know what's often missing is, is time spent with God. When was the last time I, I, I chose outside of a corporate time to, to worship God, to read His Word, to pray? Sometimes I find myself frustrated about circumstances and I look and I go, I'm not trusting God. I'm trying to make it happen for myself. And so my hope would be as we go on this journey, we would be people that know where our provision comes from. We'll know what's important. We'll trust God. We'll worship him with the best of who we are. And hopefully the, the rest of our life will fall into place. Again, not good times for everybody. That's not the way it's promised. But just that we would be a people at True North that we know we are grounded on the word of God. And that's how we live out our faith and our lives. So I don't know if that sounds good to you today, uh, to go on a little bit of a journey of kind of reading the Word every single day. I know some of you may already do that. For some of us, that's a, a struggle. And don't, don't open my version app and look at my streaks because you might be disappointed. Sometimes I miss one. And you know what? For me, just to, to get a little bit kind of practical for this, this, this reading plan I've decided I'm not going to do on my phone. So I'm a huge version plan. But you know what I, I realize is it's too easy for me to get distracted. And so if we can wait that slide up, Rod, that would be amazing, the, the 40 days website one, if it's there. Um, you can go to our website, it's truenorthonline, there it is, .com slash Bible, and, and this is the simplest reading plan ever, I love it. I printed it off this morning, as you can see. And so 60 days, and there's all the verses. So to get real honest and practical with you, this is going to live inside my paper Bible, which I had to find. Um, it was on my desk under a few things. And I, I want to make sure that I just am going to give the best of my time to God as I'm reading the Word. 
So I'm actually going to do it old school. I'm going to do it with the print Bible. I'm going to have my little plan in there. And instead of it ticking it off for me and telling me how many days I read the Bible in a row or how, where I'm up to on my plan, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read it and tick it off with a pen. Um, and you can ask me how that's going. I'm happy to show it to you. You know, if there's a missed day, I'll be honest. But also there's, a, there's an email um, for regular devotionals, encouragement along the way, so you can register for that. You can do that online. The other thing I'd encourage you to do is do it in community. Jump on with some friends. Maybe you want to do it as a family. Read about it, discuss it. You know, one thing it'll do is it'll keep you focused on it, but also it'll provide different perspectives of what other people are, are hearing and puts us on this. You know, often we catch up. You know, I catch up with my friends and what do we talk about? Bread, we talk about sport, we talk about kind of whatever's happening in our lives and in our week. You know, I want to catch up with some friends and talk to them about what's happening in my life around the Word of God. And how can they encourage me? And how can I encourage them? Because, you know, when you're solo, that's when it's really easy to get tempted. When you don't have accountability in your life, that's where it's really easy to let the temptation allow you to drift. And what I love about Jesus is he didn't choose to go, I'm above being tempted. I can tell the devil. He could have told the devil to go away straight away. Don't bother tempting me. It's a waste of time for you. Go do my fasting and then I'm going to come back and, and I'll be good. But he didn't. He allowed himself to be tempted. Why? Because we're all tempted. In this moment, I can relate to Jesus. Oh man, I'm tempted all the time. But he sets the example of going, you know what? When you're grounded in the Word of God, it's easy just to push away temptation. And so I want to grab this part of Jesus' life that he demonstrates for us. Before he goes in and does all the fancy miracles and all the great teachings and all the great things that he did by the world's standards, they were always asking him to show a miracle. First thing, one of the first things he does is he gets baptized. Then he goes away and he fasts for 40 days. Faces temptation. Comes out on the other side. So I'd ask you, go online at the end of this. There's a QR code on your seat. Do what works best for you. Again, please hear me today. I'm not, um, if you want to do it electronically because that works for you, I'm not saying don't. But I know for me that can be a source of temptation sometimes. So I want to take that away in my life. I'm going to go back to the paper. Still preached off an iPad today. I'm still a digital guy. Still love trees. I'm only wasting a little bit today. But the reality is for me, I know that's going to be a temptation that I want to take away. But I want to do 60 days where I just ground myself in the Word of God. What a better way to, to ground yourself as well than to, to do it looking at the life of Jesus and how He lived it out. I think it's just perfect for us. So if that excites you, I'd encourage you, get on the email, download it, start today. At August 14 is the first day. Matthew 1, verse 1 to 17. You can do that today. And spend the next 60 days grounding yourself in the Word of God. Does that sound good to anyone? Fantastic. Well, I'd love to just pray for us. We're going to take a moment uh, to be led by the team and, and spend another moment in, in worshipping God. I'd love to pray for us as we, we enter this time together. So why don't you stand wherever you are? And I'd love to pray for us as a church as we, we go on this journey together. Lord, I thank you that actually you invite us into this relationship of, of trusting you, of worshipping you and serving you with the things that we do. Lord, that you are a, a God that provides for us. But the thing that you want most from us is relationship. And so, Lord, I pray that this next 60 days, 
would be a time where us as your people here at True North would engage with your word like never before. Lord, for those of us that find reading hard, Lord, I pray that you would reveal things through your scriptures. Lord, for those of us who feel like we're under time pressure, Lord, may you help us look afresh at how we use our time to prioritise you first. Lord, for those of us who are a little bit on the fence about who you are, Lord, I pray as we engage in reading about you, Jesus, may you reveal yourself afresh and anew to us. Lord, may your word that is printed there come to life for each one of us. The very words of God. There for your people to read, to consume, to live out, to learn. May it come out fresh for us again. Lord, I pray that as we do this, we will be strengthened in our relationship with you and living life following you becoming more like you. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your promises. We thank you for who you are. And we praise you, God. In your name we pray, amen.